subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, I don't know if Eric Mussman's on the Chiefs' money line or uh, favorite this weekend, but as the underdogs walking into Orchard Park, he was wearing a, a Chiefs sweatshirt yesterday. Well, I guess he was trying to appeal to the all the lifelong Chiefs fans out mm-hmm. there. I uh, so I'm a pa- I'm a bad Packers fan. I'll, I'll identify as a bad Packers fan. I don't follow it as closely as I used to. Um, I know that some people are okay with uh, wearing other apparel. I, I realized I was looking at my closet the other day. I have a Butler sweatshirt that I got like 15 years ago after the Gordon Hayward team. And then one of our coworkers, Tommy, gave me a Kansas sweatshirt. But I don't think I have any other college apparel outside of, of those two things. It's just that it's Arkansas and then those two and that's it. Maybe in Oklahoma State. Well, we don't get as much free stuff as Eric Musselman probably yeah. gets handed to him. So it's easier to fill your closet with uh, with cool sports wardrobes uh, when when you're Eric Musselman. You yeah. just you know, they hand you stuff. Well, Chuck, you got, you got a you kind of got a good setup this weekend. I know sometimes again um, when you're on the road or stuff, you've you've got travel itinerary, you've got pregame stuff, but when the game is twelve o'clock, probably get done. You'll probably be done about three three thirty. And then we got two playoff games to look forward to after that. It's a full day. It'll be a full day of sports. I, you know, as you know, I love a day game, so I'm not complaining about the noon start. People get around. I think people have cabin fever. Oh, yeah. I think, I think people are going to be out and about this weekend. Oh, you know, and, and, and we haven't really talked about it, but I thought the crowd Tuesday night, all things considered, was really good. Um, I don't know what the actual, you know, ticket count was, what the head count was on the turnstiles, but um, I'll bet there were close to 10,000 in there. I didn't think there'd be five in there, to be honest with you. But people were there, and I'll bet it's close to full tomorrow. Yeah, I was looking here at the uh, the forecast. Sunny, but, you know, cold. Uh, but it's going to be cold. But it's January. It should be cold. The temperature's mm-hmm. going to be in the 20s, so it'd be a good time to, to find something indoors to do. But, you know... Weather's not going to be a factor today here in Fayetteville. Not going to be a factor tomorrow. Maybe by by Monday morning could have some yeah. issues. But but for the weekend, I agree. I think people are uh, tired of being in. They're tired of the kids being home from school. They're ready to get out and do something. I would bet it's going to be a a hard ticket to get your get into your favorite breakfast spot on Saturday morning and get off to the game. I imagine a lot of people get up, go eat some eggs and pancakes, and head to the game. Well, we're going to have to see. You know, I mean if. You know, if you're going to go with a noon tip, I mean, you got to plan to go. I mean, you don't wake up Saturday morning nope. and say, "Hey, let's go to the basketball game." Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a planned deal. So, yeah, there'll be a lot of people there. Yeah. And Eric, again, Eric Musselman was talking about Tuesday night a little bit, and I think some fans. I don't know if I initially expect this. Some fans just expect Arkansas to kind of pick up where they left off on Tuesday night. He's hoping it translates, but. Doesn't know if it will just yet. Last game was good. You know, whether anything carries over or not, we'll find out at game time. But certainly a step in the right direction on many fronts. And we got to get ready for South Carolina. They have a, a really good backcourt. Michi Johnson's playing as good as anybody. And, and obviously Cooper, a transfer from the University of Minnesota. And Miles Stewart at the three spot. BJ Mack. So there's a lot of things we got to get ready for between now and, and Saturday. So an important note that just came out, Miles Stute, who was a Vanderbilt player last year, kind of got in that tussle with Anthony Black and some of the guys, if you remember that altercation, he's out. He's got a shoulder injury. He is not playing. He's one of the guys on South Carolina that averages nine or more points for this basketball team. So it's one last guy you have to worry about. Still got to worry about Cooper. Still got to worry about their power forward and Mack and Michi Johnson, who Chuck must kind of elaborated on wasn't really didn't get a lot of preseason accolades but he sure is playing like he deserves them right now yeah he's playing well they've got some guys that are playing well um you know studi's a decent player you know he's a decent player that'll be a loss for him 
Um, but yeah, they've you know Lamont Paris is a guy that I think at a lot at the end of last season a lot of people you know wondered is this going to work over there, and the jury's still out on this season. I mean they've got 14 games left, but they're 14 and three, and they're two and two in the league, and they won a road game in the SEC, and that's more than a lot of teams in this league can say, including Arkansas right now. So. Um, they're to be, you know, they're to be taken seriously. I, I, and, and I and I would think Arkansas is. Yeah, and Arkansas, even in, in wins, has struggled. And again, rebounding the basketball on the defensive side. And they played some really good teams. That aspect, Florida's a good rebounding team. A&M's a good rebounding team. Uh, this one on Saturday is, is no different. It's not the same caliber like Florida and A&M are in the top five. South Carolina's in the top 40, but you're still going to have to box out and, and get to the glass. Otherwise, there's a, there's a chance you lose that battle once again. No, you're right. I mean, that's um, rebounding's key in every game. Uh, and, you know, you better be able to limit the other team's second-chance opportunities especially. Uh, but, no, rebounding will be important. So that's kind of South Carolina's point guard situation with Michi Johnson. As far as Arkansas is concerned, we've seen at points this season, we've seen Keon Minifield go off for 30-plus. Then we've seen him in other games where he hasn't played a lot. Musk got asked about, hey, kind of what's settling in at that role? Here's what he said in regards to that position. You know, the point guard position is a position where, you know, that we've gone back and forth and need consistent play out of for sure. I mean, Keon's played well. Ells had some good games. Layden's had some good games. But that's unfortunately for, for fans and unfortunately for media members, you know, we're, we also practice, you know, six days a week. And so you got the games, you got all summer. So there's a whole body of work that goes into decision-making, but I think Els handled it. You know, he was ready to play. You know, and I think he's, there's been times it's been a struggle for him as well. I think he brings something up important there, and I was thinking about that last night when I was listening to it on our Hit That Line YouTube channel, is we don't get to see practice, and we just sometimes he says, oh, this guy didn't have a good game. Why the heck is he playing? Or he hadn't played well. Well, I mean, again, there are good practice players and whatnot, but some guys are having success in practice, and that's why they're playing. And luckily for L, I guess he had a good week of practice, Chuck, that let him having a pretty good game on Tuesday night. And you're hoping that can he can parlay those back-to-back if he gets more of the action on on tomorrow. Well, they've, they, they've got to develop some consistency at that spot. And Muss was kind of talking about it there. There have been some nights when L Ellis has played, and there have been nights when it's been men of field since he was el- or became eligible, and there were some nights it was blocker. Uh, but there, there's not been that consistency there over the course of, you know, put two, three weeks together. Um, you know, maybe they'll be able to do that. I want to go. Nobody's really, nobody's really taken, uh, taken hold of that job. Yeah. It doesn't mean these guys have played badly. It just means nobody's taken that job yet. Well, I, and I think the last four years, I mean, you just go down the list. It was uh, Jimmy, it was Jimmy Wynn, Jalen Harris. Then the following year, it was uh, JD, JD, Note, uh, sorry, Jalen Tate, then JD Note, and then Anthony Black. So I felt like they were pretty solidified at that position the last few seasons, really every season since he's been here. And this is the first time that you have question marks. And this is the team outside the year one that you have the most about based on not just that, but some other areas they've struggled in. Well, um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking there. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, the, 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 the point guard spot, as you say, I mean, um, you know, we saw Ellis play well there the other night, and, mm-hmm. and hopefully he can again, and hopefully they can develop some consistency there uh, to where, you know, you know what you're getting each, each, each night, and, you know, maybe that'll happen. He's got to hit some shots early. There was a point where he knocked down a three early on. He looked at the crowd. He was smiling. I've noticed with him, and this like this with some, some players that they start out slow, they still manage to get it going. I feel like with him, if he's not hitting his shots early or making plays, then that affects the rest of his game. He's very, again, opportunistic in that. So I hope tomorrow, if he's the one that gets to start, which this seems to still be fluid at this point, that he gets the shots going early because that affects the rest of his game, whether it's passing, defense, and everything else. I just think about it with the point guard spot. Where would you be if Minifield hadn't been declared eligible? Where would you be if he was still sitting on the bench or just a practice player for you? Because he's certainly added a layer or a role there that, that you didn't have at the first half of the season. 
Yeah, he's 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 given them a little bit of depth since since they got into conference play. He's um, it's 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 a little bit more of a physical issue, I think. You know, right now he he's six one and you know one forty five, and um, there are certain matchups that are good for him and certain matchups that aren't. He certainly gave them a lift at a time when they needed a lift, uh, but you know when they went on the road in conference play and really when they played Auburn at home too. Um, you know, that was a different ball game, so to speak, than what he had faced in those first couple of games when he was eligible. Um, I really think when you look at, you know, their best chance to be good, you know, their best chance to be a good team by the time we get to March and a tournament team by the time we get to March, you probably need that grad transfer that, you know, averaged 17 a year ago. You probably need him you know, to be the guy there. It's not to say Minifield doesn't play, not to say he doesn't give you a lot, but, you know, you brought this guy in as a grad transfer from Louisville where he was a leading scorer. I can remember watching him play in Maui. And uh, you brought him in here to play this spot. You didn't bring him in here to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't bring him in here to, you know, average three, four, five minutes a game. You brought him in here to play. You brought him in here to be your point guard. That's why he is here. Now, I kind of took, if you want to be honest about it, I kind of took his start the other night as being, hey, you know, he's about to run out of chances. In fact, this might be the last chance. If he doesn't put it together tonight, this might be it. That was my honest thought when I saw the lineup card on Tuesday night. And to his credit, he took advantage of it. But I think if Arkansas is going to be as good as they can be, we talked yesterday about how if they're going to be as good as they can be, Mark's going to have to take this team and put them on his back some. If they're going to be as good as they can be this year, they need L. Ellis to nail down that spot. I don't know if he will or not, but if they're going to be good, I think he's going to be the one that's in that position most of the time. Now you referenced Tremont Mark. We got a text here on the McCarty Daniel hotline from Wyatt in Peerage saying that he feels like that Mark has to be 2020 Mason Jones. Now we know that team was probably not going to go to the NCAA tournament, SEC tournament gets canceled, COVID and all that. Uh, Mason had a, a couple spectacular games, 30-point, 40-point performances. I don't know if they needed necessarily to be that, but he's got to be hovering around that 20 points per game, I would I would think. They're different players. I mean, Mason Jones was a gunner. I mean, Mason Jones was a shooter, never met a three-pointer he didn't like. <laughs> I mean, you know, as soon as they came across midcourt, he was ready to fire. Mark's not that kind of offensive player. He's not a guy that's going to take a bad three. You know, for example, Tremont Mark, generally speaking, in fact, nine times out of ten, you're not going to say, man, that's a bad three. You know, I love Mason Jones, but there were some times he put up some shots that were, you know, ill-advised, shall we say. Uh, Mark's more of a uh, more of an inside-the-art guy. I think Mark can do a lot of things for you on the defensive end, and I think he's a willing defender and an effective defender. And... Um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about how is how they've not been a real high-volume steal team. You know, Mark's a guy that can be disruptive on defense. He can take the ball from you. He's got length. You, you, you've, you've talked a lot this year, Ty, about how you miss that length. Well, you know, Mark's a guy that provides that for you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's what gives him a chance to be their best player the moving what, forward is what he can do on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and I wonder, we know that the conference plays more difficult teams, more difficult coaches, game plans, and everything else. The intensity. Him, yeah, the intensity level, the physicality. Um, him getting worn down to a certain degree, not just offensively, but defensively. Because I would argue at this point, he's, and I think Chandler Lawson might have something to say about it, he's probably your second you're the third best defender. If we see a slippage in that area, or if Muss feels like, hey, we need him on offense so much that we can't put him even on the second best player on the other team. He's got to be in that 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 no, third or fourth to this. Point. I don't see that. I don't see that. Uh, I think I think he'll generally speaking guard the other team's second best player. Devo, and, 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 and Devo gets the top assignment, right? And depend, yes, and depending upon the physical aspects to it, it's as we saw the other night. I mean, he guarded Taylor, yeah. part of the time, and so um, you know, Mark's a guy that you don't lose much with on the switch. Um, he's a guy that can defend multiple positions, and you know, we'll see if he's able to develop consistency too. 
uh, because it's going to be a little bit different for him now because he is, I think, going to be called upon to do a little bit do a little bit more. I think we saw the other night, and I think we've seen before. And, again, it may not be entirely fair, you know, to put him in this spot. But I think we've seen that if this team's going to be good, Mark's, Mark's going to have to be the guy out there. Alabama has now lost 29 players to the transfer portal. Nine of them have decommitted, or excuse me, nine of them have hit the portal since Nick Saban has retired, including their two best freshmen, Caden Proctor, who started every game at left tackle this season, and then Caleb Downs, the freshman All-American, freshman of the year safety that apparently Nick Saban loves, and it was one of the hardest things he had to tell any of the players. It was Caleb Downs. Looks like Downs might end up going to Georgia. Caden Proctor might go back to Iowa, depending on how it plays out. Both five stars coming out of high school and both guys that Alabama will miss dearly. Well, Alabama fans, again, in the news recently, are not taking it well, including uh, one fan called Willie. And uh, some of you have seen some of his stuff before. I don't know if he's iconic as Phyllis, but Bama fans not exactly happy right now in Tuscaloosa. Willie? Yes? What you think about all these Bama players headed to the portal? Uh, they, they are crazy. They ought to stay right there with Coach. DeBoer. That's right. They got to give him a chance. Got to give the man a chance. Just can't run off and leave him. He's been a winner everywhere he's been. That's right. I mean, if you're going to do that, you're going to get, you're going to try to get married and leave the altar and leave your old lady right there. Right there. If you can't commit to something no less than football, then (laughs) you committed to Alabama, you ought to stay with the town. That's right. I mean, good Lord, man. Don't turn your back on the town. That's right. I'm with Malachi Moore on that. I can't say what he said, but I'm with him 100%. If you're a Tied fan, you know what he said. Coach DeBoer, we're going to give you a chance we don't care what nobody, nobody said and when you win or tie we pull it for you we pull it for you we gonna stand behind you 110 percent that's right if you're on that damn team and you can't stand behind him stand in front of him be a man right. be a man go out there and do what you're supposed no, to do Do what he tells you do and get out there and do it and black 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 we don't give don't a piss about, about nothing, nothing but, but the tide Oh, bits, blitz, blam, bits. It is. Uh, I love those videos. I think he's hilarious. But that being said, coaches in the league right now, not just in league, but college football, they smell blood in the water. I mean, you got Kiffin so, and Tuss- so both of those guys are on the board of trustees. Is yeah. that right? Or just one of them? I uh, can't both, remember. Both graduates, yeah. both on the board of trustees. Or is that the chancellor? It might have been the chancellor. Uh, there, I think yeah. they're, they're high up in the, uh, <laughs> the Alabama administration. Uh, you got, I mean, Kirby's pulling up in helicopters to commits right now in Alabama. Saban, or excuse me, Kiffin was on campus this week and posting pics in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> DeBoer's in trouble right now, man. They're losing some of their best players. I know that he just plucked one of his former Washington guys. I think they got two of them on a visit this weekend. But Alabama is losing guys left and right. And the issue is, is they have 30 days. A lot of the best players in the portal have already found homes Bama players have, again, this 30-day window where they can transfer out, and Bama can't really, again, supplement or, like, bring guys in because a lot of the good guys have already found them to this point. I think they knew this was going to happen. I don't think they're surprised by this um, because how could anything but this happen? And, you know, that's one of the byproducts when a legend retires or when there's the perception of upheaval within the program or when you hire somebody that nobody really knows. Um, that's, um, you know, all of these things have kind of come together uh, to, to, you know, bring this situation about for Alabama right now. They're, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd dance on their grave just yet, but um, they're, they're, uh, they're going through some stuff right now, that's for sure. I'll, you think that video is funny? Wait till he loses a game or two. That's... That's going to be the interesting can't stuff. You guys- I, I got to say this, guys. We're doing it. Other teams around the league are doing it. Let's win some of our games yeah. before we start worrying about what's going on in Alabama. Let's win some of our games. Let's well, get to the point where where Alabama losing Saban matters to us. Well, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, gleeful about this. And look, I was ready for him to go as well. But everybody needs to stick to what they're doing and make sure what they're doing is correct. And then maybe the drop-off at Alabama will be something more than just talk show fodder. 
a way to run the conversation with logic and, and well and i'm just saying thought. let's listen, worry listen. about what we're doing listen, well do you not hear well, that's the, all we've been doing is worried about what we're doing i'm gonna take pride getting better in Alabama withering away. It's a beautiful symphony that's ahead. We've been waiting on it for nearly two decades, and it's finally going to happen, or they're no longer going to be the national dominance that we've seen. It's beautiful. It's like Beethoven's fifth that you're hearing right now, and I'm taking pride and pleasure in it. Arkansas's football team isn't going to the college football playoff this year. Heck, I don't know if they're going to a bowl this year. So if that's the case, I'm going to try and try and find pleasure in other people's failures and other teams' failures if our team doesn't <laughs> succeed. So I hope they are. I hope I, I hope Arkansas goes off this year. But if they don't, then I'm going to take pride in other teams losing, like Alabama, which I've been waiting on for over a decade, and it's finally going to happen this year. Well, you called it last year. You were just a little premature. I was a little premature, Chuck. Just, uh, I guess I jumped the gun a little too early. I often do that at some point in time. But Alabama, again, 29 players have already entered the transfer portal. Multiple decommits out of high school. I hope it burns down. I hope, and I like Kalen DeBoer, but I hope that theme burns to the ground. Beethoven's fifth. You thought that was whiskey yesterday till we hit, till Big, big C straightened you out. So. What's hey, whiskey? Uh, yeah. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McClarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McClarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McClarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Tight, tight clamoring for cold weather football as he's turning his heated seats on in his luxury vehicle. So, I was going to say, there, I don't know. I, I take a heated seat in the studios <laughs> this morning. Well, maybe, maybe need to get on that. Maybe we need to upgrade. Actually, I really We're like men this are men. Uh, I think we, I'll stay here inside the clubhouse today. <laughs> once, once Matt Jones joined our prestigious airwaves, we were lucky to to get some changing out of chairs because well, yeah. he and me have back. And we issues. had an actual legend sitting in the seat, yeah. not you. Well, we share it, so I hopefully some of that rubs off yeah. on me. Sit up straight, don't yeah. slump over yeah. so much. Yeah. Your back won't hurt. You're not you're not a tremendous slouch. Yeah, I I walk uphill on the uh, the incline of the treadmill, which doesn't help anything when it comes to the the back situation. So I need to need to get more massages and go to a chiropractor. Well, anywho, let's segue into our friend. Well, how could you afford that, Ty? I'm, Living on a pauper's budget, as you said earlier. Well, it's I, insurance will cover it, I hope. <laughs> All right, let's talk to Chris Phillips on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, SEC Unfiltered Spurs Up show. Chris, this is a little different, uh, South Carolina team. We appreciate you making some time for us this morning. Uh, last year, they had four total conference wins. This year, they already have two 14 wins. What do you? What have you noticed from year one or Lamont Paris to, to you two, year two? of Paris. Yeah, Ty, first things first, appreciate you having me on, guys, and happy 28 days until opening day. I know we're all looking forward to that mm-hmm. SEC baseball getting going, but uh, 
No, back to the hardwood, man. I think Lamont Paris has done a great job here in year two. You know, I think it first started, obviously, in the offseason. And we talk a lot about the transfer portal when it comes to football and, and the benefits or the way it can hurt certain teams. We're seeing that right now, I think. But uh, Lamont Paris and company, I think they did a great job of utilizing the transfer portal. Added a lot of veteran presence, uh, a lot of veteran experience. Guys like Talon Cooper, guys like Miles Studi, guys like B.J. Mack, some of these dudes that – you know, they're not only productive players and starters, if you will, but they're guys that are veterans. They've had a lot of experience and success, if you will, right? Guys that are, are going to be able to weather the storm, you know, roll with the punches early in SEC play and non-conference play as well. And I, I think that's made paid huge dividends, guys. I mean, Michi Johnson also, I think, is playing the best basketball of his career. Um, so it's all clicked for South Carolina early, guys. You know, you looked at that non-conference schedule, and I think we were all kind of in prove-it mode um, South Carolina dodged a couple bullets, had a couple nice wins, right? Their only loss in non-conference was to the Clemson Tigers at their place, which is a really close competitive game, came down to the wire. And, you know, we know, guys, Clemson, a top 25-type basketball program, so not really a bad loss in that respect. But uh, I think Lamont Paris, man, you know, coming into the season, I think most folks agreed that an NIL appearance, if you could make, or excuse me, I've got my mind on NIL, NIT appearance in year two of his tenure would be a success. Uh, after a really rough year one, obviously taking over a program that was somewhat in shambles, and I mean, to say that he's ahead of schedule, you know, is putting it lightly. I, I think maybe expectations or dreams of the NCAA tournament are maybe a little bit premature. Um, I still think getting to the NIT would be a massive, massive win for Lamont Paris and company, and I think they're well on track to do that, and certainly a game like this one tomorrow at Bud Walton Arena will go a long, long way in making that a reality. Chris, when you look at the SEC, again, South Carolina's probably better than I thought they would be. Some other teams like LSU, uh, Georgia have at least passed some of my tests at this point. Is it Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky and everyone else after Tier 1? Or how would you kind of define it, the makeup of this league through four conference games? Yeah, that's a great question, Ty. I, I would definitely put the three you just mentioned. I think Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee are in a league of their own. I think Alabama, you know, the question I had for a couple weeks was who is the fourth best team in the SEC? I think now that Alabama started to get some things rolling right, we knew they had the offensive side of the basketball. Um, I, I do think they're that number four team. Really, Ty, to your point, the thing that really impresses me on a night-in, night-out basis is just the depth of the league, right? I think at the bottom, you know, we can safely say Vanderbilt is down there in the cellar. And then I think Missouri, right, they're off to a really rough start. I think 0-4 in conference play under Dennis Gates. But, you know, outside of that, man, 5 through, what, 12 in this league, you can really shuffle it up and, and sort of just, you know, take your pick when it comes to those teams. And I think, again, that's what makes the SEC, you know, we – we know what the SEC is in regards to football. We know certainly what it is in baseball. But basketball, it's becoming where any given night, man, any given night can beat anybody. I mean, look at Arkansas, for example. This is a team that's as talented as any in the SEC, and they lost their first three SEC games by a margin of 21.3 points per game because it's just if you don't show up and play your best, you can get your butt whooped. And, again, Arkansas has experienced that, and many teams have as well. So, you know, I'm kind of curious to see, like, what is Texas A&M going to end up being? They've been disappointing, obviously, Buzz Williams this season. What's Florida going to be, right? They've been off to kind of a rocky start in conference play. But like you mentioned, I mean, Georgia has really impressed. LSU has already surpassed their win total in the SEC from last year. Heck, South Carolina has surpassed their win total, period, from last year already. Um, and then Ole Miss, what Chris Beard is doing in year one as well. So, you know, the depth of this league, Ty, it takes a backseat to no one. And, but I think that those teams you mentioned in the tier one spot, uh, I think it's Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, and kind of everybody else is trying to catch up. Chris Phillips with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline talking some South Carolina basketball this morning. You, meant, you, you kind of slipped there and talked about NIL for a second and portal. It's South Carolina, Arkansas, obviously tied historically coming in the league at the same time. There's Usually a lot of comparisons between the programs. What's kind of the view uh, from the from the Carolina front porch of NIL and funding and, and not just basketball but football and, and all of that? How, how is South Carolina dealing uh, with that issue within their athletic department? Yeah, guys, it's funny. You know, I, I, We've been talking so much about this Alabama stuff with the portal and the NIL stuff that it's like that's kind of where my mind has been over the last couple of days. But, uh, no, it's a great segue. Like you mentioned, what South Carolina is doing they got a couple of great collectives, right? We, I'm good friends with the owner and operator of Carolina Rise, which is one. Garnet Trust is the official collective of the University of South Carolina. And then 
Park Avenue sort of uh, facilitates their deals with the school or what have you. I don't know all, exactly all the details on it, but um, you know, admittedly, I think South Carolina is like some others where they're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to NIL. I'm not saying the NIL situation is porous, or but it could be better, right? You, you talk to people, it could be better. Um, I don't think South Carolina has you know endless deep pockets, if you will, like maybe some do, and. You know, when it comes to basketball, I would say this. The NIL situation across the board, it's improving, but it could be better. Um, you know, certainly starting out, I think what's interesting, guys, a lot of schools out there like a South Carolina, maybe like a Mississippi State, maybe like some others, that when NIL was first introduced, it was looked at as, okay, this is another opportunity for us to compete. This is another way we can separate ourselves, we can compete. All of a sudden, for some schools out there, right, the rich got richer, and for others it was like, this is another thing we have to overcome now. This is just another thing we have to deal with. So I don't know how much really changes for a South Carolina from the standpoint of I don't care if it's basketball, I don't care if it's football. I think baseball is different, obviously, because you've won national championships. That's a program that sort of recruits itself. But at South Carolina, you better be able to be a talent identifier and a talent developer. You better be able to identify talent, develop talent, because you don't just have endlessly deep pockets. And this goes for any sport, guys. You're not able to go out there and just, you know, sign a bunch of five-star guys or sign the top guys in the portal every single year. But, again, you look at what South Carolina basketball did over this last offseason, I think they did a really, really good job in doing that, right? They went out and got some guys, some that were high-profile, but a lot of guys that were maybe under the radar, that had been productive, right? It's, it's kind of like playing Moneyball, man. If we try to beat the Yankees in here, we won't beat the Yankees out there, and I think that's how you have to operate. And there's a lot of schools that have to operate that way. So, again, guys, long story short, I think the NIL situation at South Carolina, I'm not saying it's in the top 10 of college athletics. I don't know if it's in the top 25 of college athletics, but I do think it's improving. I think you got to give Gamecock Nation a lot of credit, really rallying together and, and what the collectives have been able to do. But, uh you know, in this ever-changing NIL landscape, this NIL world, I, I wonder where a school like South Carolina and, and some others, you know, where they will sit and how they'll be effective with the, the times that are changing because they're continuing to do so, no doubt. I was just interested in what you had to say because I think there's, you know, a lot of things you just said, you could just plug the name Arkansas in. I think it'd be true for mm-hmm. yeah. Arkansas just like yeah. South Carolina and certainly with kind of where you're at with basketball. Uh, Arkansas may be a little ahead there, but football and baseball similar in, in a lot of regards. All right, back to the game uh, for tomorrow. How, how does Carolina rebound after uh, after a, a tough loss earlier this week uh, to Georgia and the way that one ended? Yeah, and that really was a tough loss, guys. When you talk about, again, this is a South Carolina program that, you know, I think the expectations were really humble coming in, right? Picked to finish dead last in the league. But when you start out the way that South Carolina did, you can't help but let your imagination run wild. And, you know, thoughts of March Madness start creeping into your mind. And to lose that one at home when you were favored by six and a half points over a Georgia team that, again, I I was surprised the spread was six and a half. I really was. I thought South Carolina on the home floor would find a way. But, of course, Georgia pulls the outright upset. South Carolina loses that game by five. They missed 15 free throws in that ball game, guys. There's nothing more excruciating than than losing a game like that when the controllers are there and you can't take advantage of it. But I think it starts, guys, with Michi Johnson. I think getting him rolling right. I look at Arkansas and what they've done. They got the big bounce back win on Tuesday, but Wade Taylor dropped 41 points on the Hogs. So you think maybe, just maybe, Michi Johnson can be kind of that star guy, if you will. He's averaging 17.3 points per game. But, guys, when he gets hot, he's one of those dudes that can go out there and easily drop 30 points or so. Uh, on anybody. Also, turnovers, guys. I was looking at this stat just before we jumped on the call. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who's able to play aggressive defense and force turnovers, right? Arkansas's defense ranks 301st in the country. South Carolina, 279th when it comes to forcing turnovers. I know Arkansas's had some trouble with sloppy play, so of course, taking care of the basketball and, and being aggressive defensively is going to be key. But I think, guys, again, for South Carolina, it, it starts with Michi Johnson. They need to be better on the glass. We're out-rebounded by a significant margin against Georgia. Uh, B.J. Mack, Josh Gray down low. Colin Murray Boyles is a freshman they really like. This played significant minutes. Uh, Miles Studi, guys, by the way, is out in this game. I think he's going to miss two weeks. So that's a shooter that South Carolina is down. So that puts, I think, even more pressure on a guy like Michi Johnson to – to ball out and play his best. And when he plays well, typically things go well for South Carolina. 
Chris, we'll leave it there. Again, Chris Phillips of SEC and Filtered Spurs Up Show does a great job covering South Carolina. Chris, we appreciate you making some time for us this morning. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll catch up maybe during baseball season when Arkansas, I think, takes on the Gamecocks. Yeah, guys, appreciate you all so much. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. All right, again, Chris Phillips talking a little SEC. He mentioned Miles Studio at the end. We brought him up. He's averaging, I think it was nine points a game. He's a good shooter. He's not, a, not one of their I – would, I would say he's not Mac – and he's not necessarily Michi Johnson, but uh, that is a player, Chuck, you don't have to game plan or deal with tomorrow. No, you're right. And he's a guy that can hit some threes. I mean, he's generally been like a catch-and-shoot three-point guy, if I remember right, when, uh, when he was over at Vanderbilt. You know, Arkansas has taken pride in the Muss era at shutting down the other team's best player, uh, holding him below his average. Uh, they weren't able to do that, obviously, against Taylor. Uh, you know, as he said, Michi averages a little over 17, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how they fare in that regard. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. If you missed our last segment, Chris Phillips mentioned that we're less than a month out from Arkansas baseball and SEC baseball. And Arkansas, according to D1 Baseball, is not only ranked top five in the preseason, they also have the number one freshman class in the country. Guys, I know we had spent a good chunk on Arkansas baseball to this point, but uh, we got a text from our, our friend Robert Teague last night, Teague Law Firm, that they were at some baseball banquet or something. It's it's right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think people are counting down the days. So, what? Oh, yeah, there we go. So go ahead, Chuck. You're going to say something. I didn't know whose microphone was yeah, on there. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know they had an event. I think it was last night, maybe, where... Uh, mm-hmm. Dave outlined some of the prospects for this season, and uh, it's not that far away. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be here before we know it. I know I've got a good chunk of Morning Rush listeners that are counting down the days till opening weekend. Other thing to get to in your hog update. This is from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I think Tom was the one that wrote this piece, if I remember right. Hudson Clark, Eric Gregory, Keevy Rose, and Keon Stewart are the fifth-year seniors expected to be back with Arkansas football. Brady Latham is not expected to come back. Still waiting on the status of Jashad Stewart after his indefinite suspension. And then Francis Sherman is not expected to be back as well. Uh, We mentioned the Quincy McAdoo stuff, uh, potentially on a medical hardship as reported by several outlets. So those are some, again, haven't gotten confirmation from the U of A, but usually Tom on stuff like this is, is pretty good when it comes to getting sourced on football players. I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think his information's accurate. No uh, no real surprises there. Nope. If I'm uh, if I'm going to bet money on accuracy, I'm betting with our friend Tom Murphy who joins us every Tuesday and Thursday on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. All right, that's going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey call 888 8 Sparky. All right, we got another edition of Fence Man Friday Picks, and we're going to stay in Buffalo for all of these. We've got a bunch of kind of odd questions to get to here in our Fence Man Friday Picks. Sean, are you ready? You ready for this edition? I am ready when you're ready. All right, let's go. It is another edition of Fence Man Friday. Fenceman Friday Picks. Call the Fenceman for all kinds of fences, controlled access, and custom iron projects. 479-782-3936. The Fenceman. We ain't afraid of no work. There's really no sense of talking about Houston and Baltimore because Houston plays in the Dome, and they're going to go to Baltimore and get smacked this weekend. San Francisco is going to beat the tar out of Green Bay, unfortunately. And then Detroit's got two Razorbacks, so they're going to move on to the (laughs) NFC Championship. So... We'll talk about what's Good going analysis on. Good Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right, so we're going to start with just the, the betting line. It's two and a half points in favor of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Tommy, first time ever Patrick Mahomes is on the road in the postseason. And not only do they lose, but I don't think they cover either. I've got Buffalo 
winning outright and winning the money line and, and winning the uh, the bet in this game. What do you think? Not so, so fast, my friend. Lee give, Corso. Me, give me the Kansas City Chiefs. Allen turns the ball over too much. Chiefs win. Talk what happens in uh, Orchard Park this weekend. Buffalo runs him off the field. Wow. Whoa. Huh? At least Man. two touchdowns. At least. Close to home. What's going to happen this week? Well, I, I'm a Kansas City Chief all the way. But <laughs> I can tell you right now, if uh, Travis Kelsey can't catch the ball like he did last time, we're going to be hurting. So they better put some stickum on his it, hand. It's cold. It's cold. <laughs> How many times, Sean, another? I hate for all of y'all to be wrong. Like uh, I think <laughs> I think Bet Saracen's got this at like seven. How many times do they show Taylor Swift on TV? Is it over or under seven times? Oh, over. Over. Oh, Easy oh, over. Come on. Easy yeah. over, Tommy. Oh, yeah. Easy over, over Chuck. I'm going to say over, yeah. Over. Are you talking about during the game or pregame? In the game. During, during the, the game, game itself. Yeah. They'll all flash the camera over. up there. Okay. Yeah. If uh, she shows up. Uh, she'll be there. Yeah, I would I would think that uh, she'll be there dressed out in uh, in his jersey or jacket of some sort. Who scores the first touchdown? Is it Isaac Pacheco or she Rice? Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. He'd have to run it this course because he'd be throwing it. Tommy, who scores the first touchdown for Kansas City this weekend? Patrick Mahomes. He runs it in. in. Runs it in. Chuck, who scores first touchdown for – or do they score? I think you're on the Buffalo train. I think they're going to get blanked. I don't think anybody's wow. going to – I know. I think they'll kick some field goals. And uh, Harrison Butker, he's going Harrison Butker, I guess. Yeah, first. yeah, yeah. I would, I would want him on my fantasy team this weekend. <laughs> so, do we have a temperature and twenty twenty-three degrees? Twenty-three oh, it's degrees. Balmy. No, uh, no snow. Last no time snow. I checked okay. with Buffalo, it's balmy right. there. Yeah. Twenty-three. Yep. Yeah, it's like summertime. Let's it's change a, in the last a, twenty-four it's hours. A, it's a pass uh, rice. Okay. Yep. Pastor Rasheed Rice, yep. he scored yep. uh, uh 25 plus yard pass. I for, see, it, yep. He scored there earlier season. The shot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, don't know if the Chiefs are going to get blanked. The over under right now is 44 and a half mm. in this game. I think Buffalo goes off offensively as good as Casey has been on defense this year. Josh Allen has played really well. Tommy, I think that this score is above 45 points or more. Yeah, it will be because the Chiefs are going to uh pick off Josh Allen twice and return him for touchdown. So, uh, wow. two pick sixes, and uh, they, they cover the 44. Chuck, uh, Tommy and you are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Does does it happen? Is it over or under well, the score total? I was just adding up 34 and 14. <laughs> so, that's 48. So, I, I'm going to go with the over. Over. Okay. I don't think yeah, the Chiefs win by that much. But. <laughs> I think so. I'm with you, Tommy. Yeah. No, we got yeah. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Alright, last thing to get to. Heads or tails, Sean? Is it heads or tails, the coin toss this weekend? Doesn't sound like it's going into overtime from either Tommy or Chuck. So the Tails? Tails? Tails. Tails never fails? Yep. What do you think, Tommy? Tails never fails. Tails never fails. You took my line. Chuck, are you a tails guy or heads guy? I'm going to go with heads. All right. I'm also going to go with tails. Tails never fails. So leaving you on an island, Chuck. Again, those are our Fitzman Friday picks. Big game. Probably the best game of the weekend in Orchard Park in Buffalo on Sunday night on CBS. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Caden Proctor, who Landon Jackson worked in Tuscaloosa. True freshman. A lot of tread on, left on those tires. Good player. Just young. He's gone. Probably going to end up going back to Iowa. He's originally from Des Moines. Caleb Downs, Georgia. All-American freshman. Stud. Gone. Probably going to end up again in Georgia. Julian Sane, and the guy I just brought up, was the top one of the top quarterbacks in the class of 2024. Early and early hitting the portal, according to Pete Thamel, as of today. Now, 
while this brings joy, the fact that Alabama has lost 30 guys already the transfer portal, 10 since Nick Saban retired. Got something about that rule that once your head coach leaves, you have 30 days to change. It has to change because you think about Alabama's vantage point and perspective. And again, I relish the fact that they're losing a lot of talent right now. But it's not fair because there's not anyone that they can really add to this point unless Michigan has to deal with their head coach. Then they would just try and go up and get great players in Ann Arbor. It's not fair for Alabama and Kalen DeBoer of what they're having to deal with right now because, again, there's just not a lot of good players left in the portal. They've already found homes. Well, I guess the best way for Alabama to combat that would be to lose early and not get into the playoff, and then they'd have plenty of time to go out and <laughs> like where your head's the, uh, you know, the the actual rule is you've got if if you they because they advance that far in the playoff they have thirty days you know even if Saban had stayed those players would have thirty days to uh, make make their decisions mm-hmm. they're losing a lot of players and you're right there's there's not an abundance of guys left. I would imagine that he'll um, he'll fill out his roster ultimately with some guys that he's familiar with, maybe some that were in the Washington program. They've lost a lot of players. Uh, I would suspect that Georgia and Texas are going to get the bulk of them. I mm-hmm. saw where Nye Black, their tight end, had, uh, uh, who'd gone into the portal, uh, signed with Texas. And so I, I would um, – and I think Isaiah Bond had already gone there. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's where Bond ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, You're so, so there's, um, you know, those are those are schools, and Ole Miss, I guess, is doing some poaching as well. Yep, Lane Kiffin in Tuscaloosa earlier this week. So, as you can imagine, Alabama fans not happy, include including two high prestigious administrators that had some thoughts on what's going on in Tuscaloosa. Willie, yes, what you think about all these Bama players headed to the portal? Uh, they they are crazy. They, they ought to stay right there with Coach DeBoer. That's right. They got to give him a chance. Got to give the man a chance. Just can't run off and leave him. He's been a winner everywhere he's been. That's right. I mean, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna get you're gonna try to get married and leave the altar and leave your old lady right there. Right there. If you can't commit to something no less than football, then yeah, that, you committed to Alabama. You ought to stay with the town. That's right. I mean, good lord, man. Well, turn your back on the town. That's right. I'm with Malachi Moore on that. I can't say what he said, but I'm with him 100. No, percent If you're a tired fan, gonna... you know what he said. Dang Coach right. DeBoer, we're gonna give you. a chance we don't well, care what, what nobody, nobody said and we love you brother we pull it for you we pull it for you we gonna stand behind you 110 percent right. so they drone on for minutes more as you can imagine i don't know if i can take that uh <laughs> dumbassery much longer but i think alabama is one of the unique places the last few years that players didn't commit to alabama they committed to coach saban and i think what we're seeing right now it's exactly that. I mean, you've got guys. Caleb Downs is one of the best players in all of college football. Kid hasn't reached his surface at all. He's fantastic. True freshman had over 100 tackles. How many secondary players do you think can line up as a true freshman and play in Coach Saban's system? Few and far between. He didn't commit to Alabama. He committed to maybe the best defensive back, best college football coach ever in Nick Saban. Caden Proctor, another example. He's got a chance to go back home to Iowa. This, I think, is one of the few places in all of college football where it's a head coach commitment. It has nothing to do with the the program's good. I get that. But the head coach is more valued than the actual program itself, as good as Alabama's been these last few years. Well, there's no doubt Saban's valuable in that respect. What's valuable in that respect? They'll... um Alabama will continue on. I, I, as, as I said a little bit earlier, I'm not going to dance on their grave just yet. But I, um, you know, I'm not too surprised by all this because, you know, as you say, a lot of these guys, you know, they wanted to play for Saban. I do think there are a lot of them that will come back and play for Alabama. Um, I don't. I don't think that if they do drop, that it'll be as significant as people think. I still think they're going to be very good. They're not going to be like they've been. But, um, you know, um, it is kind of interesting, though, when you hear Alabama fans talk, and I know that was kind of a parody there, but it sounds like they're trying to convince (laughs) themselves. I mean, it it, it just sounds like they're trying to convince themselves that this is going to be okay. And I think ultimately it will be, but it's going to be rocky for a little while. They will win a national championship 
under the second coach. DeBoer will not win a national championship. They're going to wander through the wilderness. They're quote-unquote wilderness, the wilderness that I would love to be a part of as an Arkansas football fan, but we're not going to be for three or four years. He'll get canned. They'll move on to the next guy. And Dabo Sweeney really screwed himself. That was his job five years ago. And then when Idell and the transfer portal became prominent, he elected to stand steadfast and stick to the old ways, the old guard. And they have not gotten a single Porter player this year. And he's going to stay with that approach, which is killing his football program. Now, the board's going to, again, he's brought in a Washington quarterback. He's going to keep trying to bring in players. He's not an old guard guy. We've seen with Michael Penix and who he brought in, but it's just not going to work. And it's not going to work for Alabama standards. When I say it's not going to work, that doesn't mean they're going to go six and six next year. But the Alabama standards are gone. The head coach, the prominent, the creme de la creme, it's gone. It's over. George is going to take advantage of it, like you said, Tommy. I agree with a thousand percent. Kirby Smart is the happiest coach in college football because the only guy standing in his way is gone. Well, and then you got Oklahoma and Texas coming into a league that as conference foes, they'll never have to face a Nick Saban Alabama team. What tremendous timing it is for them. I mean, just good fortune, but they don't come into what I think we'll, we'll look back in a decade and say we're the golden years. The golden age of, of SEC football. They, but Georgia's like replaced Alabama. Yeah, but... You know, and, and they're going to have to play Georgia. you got to remember, we're not doing divisions anymore. Right. So they're going to have to play Georgia. They're, they're really... If you look at the SEC, um, Georgia right now is every bit as strong as Alabama was, even in Saban's best years. And in those best years for Saban, Georgia was not as strong as they are now. But can they do it as consistently as Alabama did it? Can... You know, it's not just the Alabama titles. It's, it's you know, it's kind of like Jack Nicklaus. He won 18 majors, but look how many times he was runner-up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look at Alabama. Yeah, they hadn't won a title in, what, since 20? 2020, yeah. Right, so, but how many times have they been in the playoffs since then and been right there and this year a play away from beating the eventual national champion in overtime? They needed one more play. I mean, so that's been the, the greatness of Nick Saban. Yes, it's the six titles at Bama, the seven in his career, but it's the consistency. Oh, That's I'm not arguing part. that. I don't know that. I, I agree. Georgia's going to win titles. And in the end, if there's one guy out there that can match uh, Saban at the end of a career title for title, it may be Kirby Smart because he's still got more years in front of him than Saban had with two under his belt. But I don't know that anyone can match the consistency season in, season out to play at a championship level. The good news is with a 12-team playoff, you got more margin for error now than you've had before. I don't think anybody's arguing that. All I'm saying is, is these Texas and Oklahoma teams are going to have to play Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and Georgia's just as good as Alabama was when Alabama had their best teams. I'm not, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it as long. Yeah. But I don't see any reason why they're not going to do it for a while. I, I mean, unless they screw it up. I don't see any reason why they won't do it for a while. Here's the, uh, again, they play each other September the 28th in Tuscaloosa. It's already been a night game announced on ABC. Cannot wait for that game. Here's one of the elements that Kalen DeBoer has to, to deal with and contemplate as the head coach is, again, he just brought in that Washington quarterback transfer. I would guess that Nix's Will Rogers entering the transfer portal and coming to Tuscaloosa. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, well, he's in the portal. Yeah, he sorry. may not go to Tuscaloosa, yeah. but he's in the portal. Yeah, he's already entered, but I'm saying coming to the, the latter part of that, coming to Tuscaloosa. So I think Nick Saban, one of the craziest things he was able to do in his tenure in Alabama was keep Jalen Hurts on that roster, who was an NFL-quality quarterback. Didn't have his, his best season down the stretch, got injured and stuff, but he was able to keep Jalen Hurts, despite Tua Tungabaloa taking over that job, after the 2018 National Championship game in that second half and keep both them happy. Who hurts, if you remember, won the SEC Championship game the following year against Georgia. I don't think, again, what I saw from Jalen Miller this year, and I love that kid's story, and I love that throw he made to Isaiah Bond in the back of the end zone, but he's not that guy that can win you a National Championship. They need competition there. And I know it's like you don't want to have a chasm in the locker room by bringing another guy in that might take that job because the team rode with Miller over last year and this year, but they've got to add quarterback competition to that room or they're going to be in the same situation this year where they're going to be close. They're maybe two, three losses, but they're not going to be in the national championship like Alabama fans want. 
Well, I think they'll find somebody to come in and compete for that job. I mean, look, if you're a great quarterback out there right now, whether you're in the transfer portal, five-star guy, whoever, and I know this 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 freshman, this saying kid left, which kind of surprised me because here's the deal. If I'm one of those elite quarterbacks, don't you look at the Alabama situation and say to yourself, I can win that job. I can go beat out Milrow. I can go win that job. Mm-hmm. I'm a better quarterback. I can throw the ball. I can make all the throws. I can uh, I can do this. I can do that. My my point is, is I do think they'll get probably more than one great quarterback in there, and I think they will have competition there. Ryan asked a question on our McClarty Daniel hotline. Surely Pittman has reached out to Will Rogers. Arkansas added Taylor Green already in the offseason, Boise State. Uh, you've got Jacoby Criswell, Malachi Singleton, and K.J. Jackson all currently on the roster at this point in time. I don't even know if that's been speculated. I don't know if Bobby Petrino's looked at tape, but I would be intrigued to know if there's any appetite to bring in another transfer or, quarterback. Or budget. Is there any or, more that's NIL budget? budget. I mean, do you have any money? Well, I don't, I don't know if they've had any contact or not. The only thing I'll say about that is is that you are not going to win consistently if you have a rent-a-quarterback every year, if you have a one-year guy every year. And that's what you'd be getting with a guy like Rodgers. You'd be getting one year. Um, and you have also have a quarterback already that you've been developing in Criswell. You've, you've, you've gotten a transfer from Boise State. You've obviously convinced him to come play for you and – then you've got K.J. Jackson coming in, who I can tell you from the moment they've signed uh, signed him, they've, they've been excited about the prospects. So I don't know if the situation right now calls for that. Now, having said that, I have no idea if they've talked to him. I, I have no clue. But I, I, would, I would wonder if that would be the right fit just from the outside looking in. I again that's a that's something that I would guess Will Rogers in his final season would want to go somewhere that he's almost assuredly the starter right. but I don't know his mentality right. we had a chance to catch up with him at SEC media days and I'll give him credit his coach died and he's stuck in he's a Mississippi kid Mississippi kid he's stuck in Starkville didn't have a great season got injured but now in his final year of college football I would expect him to go somewhere that there is no question who the starting quarterback well, is going to be. Let me throw one thing in here before you guys go on about this. Is is that you know we talk about sometimes disgustedly the way players move from team to team. There's no loyalty. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, you know, Will Rogers moved from Starkville, Mississippi, to Seattle, Washington, to play for this guy. And then this guy up and leaves on him. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Kalen DeBoer made a bad decision taking this job, and I understand what he did. But let's understand when we rail on these players that the shoe's on the other foot, too. No, that, that, that's exactly right. And um, loyalty's something we talk about. I don't know that it's something we really experience anymore, it, well, at it, least it, in the world of college football. And and you know you were you know you talked a little bit earlier, Ty, about how you know one of the disadvantages for Alabama right now is is that there aren't a lot of great players left mm-hmm. in the transfer portal. Well, you think about if you're Will Rogers, you know most programs out there have already made their bet as far as their starting or as their transfer portal quarterback goes. They great picked point. their guy. Great point. And so, where's this guy going to go now? Tommy mentioned budget a minute ago. What's left? You know, so you don't know ultimately where this guy's going to end up. I would suspect, and I think you're right, he's going to go somewhere where he's going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. Because when you've got one year remaining and you've left a situation, you certainly don't want to go into another situation where where, where you got to battle for the position. Yeah. I know we like to think that football coaches can just move heavens and earth to get everything on the academic side the way they want it, but boys, it's January 19th. A lot of a lot of places have been back in school for a week or more. Arkansas started back this too. I mean, there is a deadline on when you can be enrolled for spring semester. And so there's just some realities of of how all this works to can you make it fit? And uh, I don't know how much reality that is anymore. It just really? seems to me like, well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, there's there's just lots of situations, Tommy, where I mean, guys leave in the summer. You know, guys leave school on 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 a moment's notice. It seems like right now with uh, with the portal and 
Um, you know, you, I've never heard of a situation. You know, I'm sure it comes up, but I can remember there was a time whenever a transfer came in. First thing you wondered about was, well, did his hours transfer? Did he get all his credits transferred? Um, all that stuff seems to work out now. You don't ever hear about any instances like that anymore where, well, a kid entered the portal, but he doesn't have enough hours transferring. Uh, that just never seems to come up. Maybe maybe I've missed it. Maybe it does. But I think it but, happens uh, at, at the ends of semesters. I think a lot of these – well, it all there have been up. guys that have joined the. Uh, there have been guys that have joined the student yeah. roles at times when well, maybe others couldn't. I, you know, I remember my dad still being amazed at the hours that Ron Brewer got up at uh, Idaho Junior College or wherever it was and came. I mean, got him, got him eligible. I mean, so things like this have happened for. You'd be surprised. Years. At, at the U of A, when you see this class is closed, and all of a sudden a week later, it's like, oh. Uh, Prominent sports I, athlete is, is somehow made I'm too far team. removed from that to know exactly how it works, but I know that yeah. some of the issues that always seem to come up when you had a player transfer don't ever seem to come up anymore. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the Natty State. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.